We glorify your holy name. And in the name of Jesus, we pray for a powerful and mighty anointing of the Holy Ghost. This morning, we pray that the Spirit will reveal to us the message for this hour that can we receive and that we can apply what we will hear today in our hearts, in our minds. We pray this in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen and amen. You may be seated around the church this morning. I want us to turn to the book of First Samuel. I will be starting in chapter 2. And while you're doing this, I'll set the stage for what's going on. Many who grew up in church probably heard the account of Hannah. Hannah was a woman who was married to a man named Elkanah, who was also married to a woman named Penina. Penina, she had many children. Hannah, she had none. Every year when the family went to the sacrifice, Penina would rub it in to Hannah that she had children and that Hannah didn't. Every year, this would be the case. And every year, Hannah would become more and more depressed about her condition. That is, until one year, she was very overcome with sorrow. According to chapter 1, verse 7, And as she did so year by year, when she went up to the house of the Lord, so she, Penina, Provoked her. Therefore she wept and did not eat. Let's call Hannah what she is right now. Sorrowful. Depressed. Upset. Angry. And the other wife just rubbing it in isn't helping the situation. Verse 8. Then said Elkanah her husband to her. Hannah, why weep you and why eat not you? And why is your heart grieved? Am I not better to you than ten sons? That made Hannah mad, angry, to the point she stormed off and went to the tabernacle. There she begins to pray to the Lord. Now I know a lot of times when we picture Bible events, we think of things being very holy. We picture Hannah Being like this. The Bible said that when Eli, the priest, sees her, he thinks she's drunk. Which means Hannah is standing there without saying a word. Very, very angry. Very, very demonstrative of everything that's going on. I mean, she is letting the Lord have it. Eli, she must have had 14 too many. 
So he comes and he confronts her about this. Verse 14, and Eli said unto her, How long will you be drunk? Put away your wine from thee. As an expert in alcoholism, his sons were alcoholics, Eli knew a thing or two about this. But he did not get that this woman was in sorrow to the Lord. Verse 15, Hannah answered and said, No, my Lord, I am a woman of a sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have poured out my soul before the Lord. Don't consider me, count not your handmaid, for a daughter of Belial. For out of the abundance of my complaint and grief have I spoken hitherto. Verse 17. And Eli answered and said, this is probably the best thing Eli will ever say. Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant you your petition that you have asked of him. Eli never knew at this point what Hannah was praying over. But the Lord revealed enough to him for him to tell her that her prayer was going to be answered. Verse 18, and she said, Let your handmaid find grace in your sight. And the woman went her way. She ate, and her countenance was no more sad. Using a theme from last night, Hannah believed God. When she begins to celebrate here, she is still barren. She's still not pregnant. She still has no children. But at this point, Hannah believes God. And what happens when Hannah begins to believe in the Lord? Her prayer will be answered. Now, we know what Hannah prayed. For those who might not know it off the top of your head, Hannah prayed, Lord, let me have a son, and then I will bring him back to this tabernacle, and here he will serve the Lord for the rest of his life. Hannah, she could have blew all of this off, but she meant what she said. She became pregnant. The Lord answered her prayer. And when the child was weaned, Hannah kept her word. Eli would later use the term lent to the Lord. That's what's happening here. The child would be lent to the Lord. Now I told you to turn to chapter 2, verse 1, where it said, And Hannah prayed and said, This is after the birth of Samuel. My heart rejoices in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth is enlarged over my enemy because I rejoice in your salvation. Two times we see the word rejoice used. We know that the word rejoice means to celebrate. What is Hannah celebrating? It goes beyond the birth of Samuel. What Hannah is celebrating is God answering her prayer 
regarding Samuel. When we go to the Lord, when we rejoice and celebrate, when we do this, we are celebrating that God answered our prayer. Keep that in the back of your mind as we give thanks and praise and celebration to the Lord. Now on this day, Hannah thought she had a lot to celebrate. After all, the Lord had given her a son. And now she is presenting this son to the Lord for this child to serve the Lord for the rest of his days. If this was the end of the account, we could celebrate and say this was a great and mighty work of the Lord. But there is much more to the legacy of Hannah than this moment. Of her giving Samuel to the Lord, of rejoicing that God answered her prayer. Samuel, we knew that he will grow up. And he will become a major prophet of the Lord. It is during his lifetime that many of the first prophecies go forth. It is Samuel who will have the opportunity not to anoint just one king, but two kings. The first one being Saul, the second one being David. We're still in 1 Samuel. Good. Let's turn a few pages. The chapter 16. At the beginning of this chapter, Samuel is sent by the Lord to the household of Jesse in Bethlehem. He is there to anoint the successor to King Saul. The one who had disobeyed the Lord and basically turned his back on him. Here is Samuel. Many of us know the account. He sees the first six sons of Jesse and immediately concludes, well, all of these are good enough to be king. And the Lord keeps saying, no. To the point where Samuel says, do you have another son? Yes, we do. Go get him. They brought David to Samuel and the Lord revealed to Samuel, this is the one. This is the next king. Verse 13. And Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. Hold there for a second. We see what? The Spirit of the Lord coming upon David when he is anointed by Samuel, the son of Elkanah, the son of Hannah. Again, this would be a great moment. See what happens when you do what the Lord wants. Your son is going to grow up to become this great person. And as I said, if the story ends here, it would be a great ending. 
But when Samuel left, and when he went home, something happened where Saul the king lived. The Spirit of the Lord lifted off of him. And immediately, as the Bible says, evil spirit from God troubles him. This is when the advisors to King Saul, they remember that there is a lad by the name of David who is anointed of the Lord to play music. Now, up to this time, David is an unknown. He was barely known in his own household. He was so important that when Samuel arrived, they didn't even bring him to town. I mean, we're talking the lowest of the low. Now, King Saul is ordering this David to be brought to him. Why? It is not because David is the mighty warrior, even though he will be. It isn't because David will be a great man of God, even though he will be. The reason why David is brought here is because he is really the first true psalmist in the history of Israel. A psalmist being one who sings songs. <coughs> one who writes songs. One who plays music. One who composes music. David's first anointing that is seen is the musical anointing. He is brought to Saul's household. There he plays the music, the anointed music of the Lord. The evil spirit drifts away. David consistently at first is in the house of Saul because he was a musician first, an anointed Musician of the Lord. So we see what? Hannah's son Samuel anointing David to be king, but also this first anointing, the music anointing. Are we together on this? Now, over the next few years, David is a faithful servant in the household of Saul. We know he's the guy. That will defeat and kill Goliath. We know that David is the one who will go out and fight endless battles for King Saul. Gain the victory over and over again. And we know that David is still in the house of the Saul. Playing music unto the Lord. That is until King Saul turned against David. Tried to pin David to the wall with a spear. Eventually, David knew it was time for him to flee. And he goes into the wilderness. If you look at the book of Psalms, many of the Psalms written by David, they are set in his wilderness years. So even there, in the backside of the wilderness, with King Saul chasing him down, trying to kill him, we still see the music anointing on the life of David. 
over and over and over again. Eventually, King Saul dies. Eventually, David rises up to become the king of all twelve tribes of Israel. Now, during this time, as king, David decided to bring the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem. His first attempt fails miserably. They put the Ark on a new cart. Somebody reached out to touch the Ark to keep it balanced because he disobeyed the voice of the Lord. He was dead. The second attempt, it was done correctly. The ark was carried as required of Moses in the Old Testament law. Let's turn to Second Chronicles for a moment. Second Chronicles chapter 15. This is when the ark of the covenant is being brought to Jerusalem. I'm going to start with verse 16. And David spake to the chief of the Levites to appoint their brethren to be singers with instruments of music, psalteries, and harps and cymbals, sounding by lifting up the voice with joy. What David is doing here. He is having a group of musicians installed to play in front and behind the Ark of the Covenant as it begins to move its way from Obed-Edom's house to Jerusalem. For the first time at a national level, we are seeing music play a part in the worship of the Lord. It's verse 17 that I want us to pay attention to. So the Levites appointed Haman, and that's how it's pronounced, Haman, not Heman, the son of Joel, and his brethren Asop, the son of Berechiah, and of the sons of Merari, their brethren, Ethan, also pronounced Jeduthun in other parts, the son of so here we see three men, Haman, Aesop, Jeduthun. These three men are called to be the lead musicians in Israel. Let's look at this Haman for a second. Notice that it said, Haman, the son of Joel. Now let's go backwards a little bit. First Chronicles Chapter 6. Now, usually, when we reach 1 Chronicles chapter 1, when we are reading our Bible through in a year, or when you're just reading your Bible to be following the will of the Lord, when we get to this first section of 1 Chronicles, it's step on the gas, get through it. Either that or skip to chapter 11. Just forget it all together. 
I would advise not to do that. First, if you do that, you have never seen the prayer of Jabez, which is buried in here. That is actually in the middle of all of these names that people like to skip over. But the Spirit brought to my mind a very interesting thing. Chapter 6. In the midst of all these names. I want us to start. Let's see if I'm in the right chapter myself. And I am. And let's start with verse 33. Actually, verse 31. And these are they whom David set over the service of song in the house of the Lord after that the ark had rest. This is the beginning of a national worship through music movement spurred on by David. And they ministered before the dwelling place of the tabernacle of the congregation with singing until Solomon had built the house of the Lord in Jerusalem. And then they waited on their office according to their order. In other words, once the temple was built, they continued to do their ministry regarding music. Verse 33. And these are they that waited with their children, of the sons of the Kohathites, Haman, a singer, the son of Joel, the son of Shemuel. Now, who is Shemuel? Had to look that one up. Shemuel is just another name for Samuel. Samuel, according to 1 Samuel, did have a son named Joel. The giveaway is the next name. The son of Elkanah, the son of Jehoram, the son of Elihel, the son of Torah, the son of Zup. This is the family of Elkanah. Through his wife, Hannah. So let's put it this way. Hannah prays for a son named Samuel. Son born, dedicated to the Lord. This Samuel then anoints David to be king. Music becomes a part of worship because David has this anointing that comes from Samuel, the son of Hananiah. For the worship ministry. Now what do we see here? Hannah had a son named Samuel. Who had a son named Joel. Who had a son named Haman. Hannah's great grandson. Is one of the worship leaders. In Israel. So what is going to be. One of the lasting legacies of Hannah in the Old Testament. Her legacy is going to be through Haman, her great-grandson, and the worship movement 
that starts throughout the nation of Israel. Are we together on this? Now follow with me. This is going to get more interesting. Book of First Chronicles, chapter 25. At first, Haman, Aesop, Jeduthun, they were in charge of worship as this new tabernacle that was built for the Ark of the Covenant went into effect. Then David received a revelation from the Lord about the order of the Levites going forward. David, as well as Nathan the prophet, Gad the prophet, receives this revelation. And they set up a system of courses where priests would rotate in and out of Jerusalem on a timely basis for temple duty. The musicians would be set up in the same way. The musicians would be set up in 24 separate groups. Each of the groups would be represented by one of the sons of the three established worship leaders, Haman, Aesop, Jeduthun. Chapter 25. And let's read verse 1 first. Moreover, David and the captain of the host separated the service of the sons of Aesop. Of Haman, Haman, the great-grandson of Hannah, and of Jeduthun, who should prophesy with harps, with psalteries, with cymbals. And the number of the workmen according to their service was, let's skip for time, Aesop and Jeduthun. Let's go to verse 4. Of Haman, the sons of Haman, and it gives 14 names. Buki, Mataniah, Uziel, Shebuhel, Jeremoth, Hananiah. Hold there for a second. Hananiah is the same base word as Hannah. Hannah's name, female for grace. Hananiah, male name for grace. Let's keep going. Hananiah, another grace name. Eliatha, Gidalti, and a bunch of other names I really don't want to pronounce. But there were 14 sons of Haman. These 14 sons become individual worship leaders for a two-week period, basically, every year in Jerusalem. Think about this. The majority of the worship leaders in Israel were direct descendants of Samuel and Hannah. What is the legacy of Hannah. The legacy of Hannah is really going to be the worship of the Lord through song and music. Every time the temple is an operation, every time 
the service is being done to the Lord in the morning and the night. There is a better than average chance that one of the descendants of Hannah are playing the music for this to happen. Are we still here? So now we're seeing Hannah from one, then to another, her great-grandson, then 14 great-great-grandsons who play a major role in the music in the nation of Israel. And from that point going forward, each of the sons of those 14 would continue the work as singers unto the Lord. We're talking about a legacy that goes beyond anything that we ever imagined. Follow with me. Second Chronicles. Second Chronicles. Now let's look at chapter 5, verse 12, where it said, And the Levites, which were the singers, all of them of Asap, Haman, and Jeduthun. This point it is the sons of these three men. So if you are a descendant of Haman, who is there singing and worshiping the Lord, you are still a descendant from Hannah. But what happened way back in 1 Samuel chapter 1 is now having a great impact in the nation that goes beyond what Hannah prayed for way back in chapter 1. This is an influence in the area of music that touches an entire nation. If we continue to look ahead, in the days of Jehoshaphat, the nation was being invaded by a group of Ammonites and Moabites. It was going to be a slaughter. Jehoshaphat prayed to the Lord. The Lord said, you will not have to lift up a sword in battle. You will win the battle. What happens? A group of musicians lead the way out to battle. So what does this have to do with anything? Those musicians were the descendants of Haman, Jeduthun, and Aesop. In other words, on this day of victory, Hannah's descendants are out there leading the way, singing songs of praise to the Lord, so that victory would be won. This even goes further, further down the road. When Ahaz becomes the king of Judah, he does a horrible act. He closes the temple. For the first time since the days of David, the songs of the Lord are not being sung throughout the city of Jerusalem. For the first time, the sons of Haman, the descendants of Hannah, were silenced. That is, until Ahaz died. 
And when Ahaz died, what happened? Second Chronicles. Let's look at chapter 29. And let's look first at verse 13. These are the ones who are working to prepare the temple for service. These were the ones who were going to be part of the major revival that would happen during the days of King Hezekiah. What do we see? Chapter 29, verse 13. And of the sons of Elisaphan, Shimri, Jehiel, of the sons of Aesop, worship leader, his descendants, Zechariah, Mattaniah, of the sons of Haman, back to what? Here is the descendants of Samuel. Here are the descendants of Hannah. They are now part of this major revival that's about to hit the nation of Judah. A little further, same chapter. What do we see? Let's start with verse 25. And Hezekiah set the Levites in the house of the Lord with cymbals, psalteries, harps, according to the commandment of David, and Gad the king's seer, and Nathan the prophet, for so was the commandment of the Lord by his prophets. And the Levites stood with the instruments of David, and priests with the trumpets, and what? Hezekiah commanded the off to offer the burnt offering upon the altar, and when the burnt offering began, the song of the Lord also with the trumpets and with the instruments ordained by David of Israel. So what do we see here? We see, once again, the sons of Haman, Jeduthun, and Aesop, a major part of the worship in the nation of Judah. If we look ahead, during the days of Josiah, the same three, Haman, Jeduthun, and Aesop, their descendants are still there. When Josiah brings a revival in his time, those three descendants were still there worshiping the Lord. After the Babylonian captivity, the exact same thing. In the days that the temple was rebuilt, when the foundation was laid, the sons of these three men were there playing music to the Lord. When the temple was open, these three were still there, their descendants, playing music unto the Lord. Even in the days of Nehemiah and Ezra, the same thing happened. The descendants of Hannah, the descendants of Samuel, the music anointing continued to flow. If you look at this, Samuel, he anoints David to be king. What comes upon him? 
the anointing for music. What happens to the descendants of Samuel? The anointing for music rests upon every generation of his descendants. So when we look at the legacy of Hannah, we are looking at a legacy of celebration through praise and worship through music. Even when Mary and Joseph bring in baby Jesus to meet Simeon, the same three's descendants are playing the music as the Christ comes in. Every time that Jesus is there, the exact same thing happens. The music plays. Who is playing it? The descendants of Hannah still having a role in the worship life of Israel. Are we still here? When we talk about the legacy of one person, it can run deep, deep and deep. In the case of Hannah, it runs very deep. Now, what does the word Hannah mean? Grace. The grace that God gave Hannah was seen through every generation of Israelites. Now, let's look at the grace that Jesus gives us. His grace, as joy unspeakable, the song says, I have found His grace to be what? All complete. As in, in every single area. The grace that Jesus gives is all complete. Let's turn to the book of Ephesians. Chapter 5. Let's start with verse 18. And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess. But be ye filled with the Spirit, filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourself in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Notice that verse 18 does not end with a period. It ends with a colon, meaning it connects to verse 19. Feel with the Spirit, and when you're filled with the Spirit, what? Speaking to yourself in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. So we have this grace. Amen? And as part of this grace given to us by Jesus, we have the Spirit. And the Spirit gives us this anointing in music, just like there was an anointing in the line of Hannah, an anointing that allowed all of her descendants to be key musicians in Israel. Why can we have the anointed music in the church? Because it is a part of what? Filled with the Spirit receiving this anointing for music. Let's go over a few more pages. Colossians 
chapter 3. And we are going to see the exact same thing one more time. What do we see? We see what? Verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Music is a key part of the church. Music is anointed of the Lord. The Hannah legacy that goes beyond Samuel is one of anointed music to the Lord. In this age of grace, part of the grace that we have, part of the grace that comes by having the Spirit inside of us, is a grace for anointed music to be written, to be composed, to be sung, and to be played. There might not be one traditional psalmist that does all four, but in the church there is all four in operation in the group. We sing a song of praise to the Lord because the anointing of the Lord is here to do so. Are we together on this? Music as far as rejoicing is vital, but not in a natural flow. The anointing of the Holy Ghost needs to be a part of this. Filled with the Spirit, speaking, and then it gets into the music. When we are forever with the Lord, we will be there singing the song of praise unto the Lord. Who knows? Maybe Jeduthun, Aesop, and Haman will be there as song leaders. That's what they were called to do. Who knows? But the point is this. The anointing that we receive to sing now the grace of God, which allows this, will move in such a way that it will become a sweet-sounding melody to the Lord. What is the legacy of Hannah? Ultimately, her legacy is to be the one whose descendants are worshiping the Lord through music. What is the legacy of Hannah in the church today? Ultimately, it's going to be the same one. Because the same anointing that was on her descendants is the same anointing in the church today, allowing us to sing praise to the Lord. We can celebrate in song because the anointing of the Holy Ghost is present. 
The same anointing that was then is now. Even more powerful because the Spirit is inside of us where it was only upon David. Believers in Jesus this morning, let the anointing flow through you to sing songs of praise to the Lord. When we are singing as a group, we have an anointing. We need to allow this anointing to flow. And when the anointing flows, it will be a sweet sound unto the Lord. And the presence of the Lord will move in a stronger and mightier way. Even as in the days of David, the bad could not hang around because the praises of the Lord were present. This morning, let us commit ourselves to this anointing Every one of us, even if you're just in the congregation singing, it's still an anointing to sing unto the Lord. Allow that anointing to flow. And then see what the Lord will do in your life. Let's stand across the church this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.